Welcome to another exciting episode of the A Dosage of Lindsay podcast. I am your host, Lindsay May. I am so excited for this new season on the A Dosage of Lindsay podcast. As you know, each Wednesday is dedicated to wellness. You see, wellness is an active and intentional process through which we become aware of how to make meaningful choices towards a more authentic and balanced life. On Wellness Wednesdays, it is our time to get inspiration on how to live and be well. I want to just welcome everyone um, to another episode of A Dosage of Lindsay on this podcast. As you know, um, you know, I'm here just having meaningful conversations with people you know or people that you need to know. And on today's segment, we're talking about living the American dream. It's a part of a bigger conversation for Wellness Wednesdays. And we're exploring wellness from different walks of life. And we're talking to people who embrace wellness in their own unique way. On today's segment, we're talking to a friend of mine and we're understanding her own lived experiences of what it means to be a dreamer, you know, what that looks like for people that come from different parts of the world and they make their home here in the U.S. of A. So today I want you to please give a warm welcome to my friend. Um, she goes by Mary Angela, but I call her Madi. Um, Madi, welcome into our space today. Hi guys, I'm so happy to be here. Good afternoon to everyone. I'm excited to teach you a little bit about myself, a little bit about what it is like to be a dreamer, and also to uh, have a conversation here, a deep conversation with my friend Lindsay. Yes, I love it. Um, You know, we talk all the time, Madi, about just different things. And, you know, I was so inspired when we had our last meetup. We were just catching up after a long time. And I think it was over some arepas. We were talking about arepas and who had the best arepas in South Florida. Was it down in Doral? But it happened to be off of Biscayne Boulevard um, in that new up and coming area outside of Little Haiti. So isn't that crazy how food can just bring out some like deep stories and make some deep connections? Oh, definitely. No, honestly, food. I'm a big food lover. We can talk about food Monday through Sunday, and I will not get bored. I think it's it's a way to bring people of all cultures and all backgrounds together, especially here in Miami. We're like a little melting pot here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, man, I was interested in your journey because, you know, that's the big thing. Who has the best cuisine in Latin America? Who has the best arroz con frioles, who has the best arepas. I thought it was Colombia, but after our conversation, I was rudely mistaken. It is Venezuela that has the best arepas. Um, but I want you to tell me a little bit about your story and you know how you're connected to your culture while living here in, in America. Well, um, that's a very good question, Lindsay. So sometimes you know it's, it's funny because when you when you're a dreamer you're kind of like in the limbo right so people are like nah you're not venezuelan but you're also not american so you kind of have to like juggle both but for example i remember like early christmases with my parents um they would always play like venezuelan christmas music uh, i'm not gonna sing them and bore you with them now but definitely if you have some time later youtube them uh, they're really like high pitched very hyper very like um 
you know, like, uh, it's like a, our version of knock, knock, who's there kind of thing. Right. Um, but definitely it, it's very happy culture. It's very loving. It's all, it's all about like everyone, regardless of who you are, if you're a friend, a coworker, we're all family. Um, we all like, like to share a beer together and things like that, of that nature. Um, but definitely I would say the thing that stands out most about the Venezuelan culture is that it's a very hardworking uh, group of people because no matter what, they come to the country with nothing, they will build a whole empire out of nothing. Hmm. And that's powerful. Um, I've traveled many times and um, that's one of the things that keeps me going, keeps me connected to culture is my traveling experiences. And I'm super fascinated to see that when I go into other countries, whether it's like a Colombia, um, just got back from Ecuador not too long ago, it's like the same energy that people are doing in their country. It's the same that's happening here in America. Um, so how did you end up here in America? Like, you know, tell me a little bit about that story about how you happen to be here right now, like just living here and living your dream. Well, we had uh, an aunt and a cousin who moved here first um, okay. to, to South Florida. And then um, my parents, uh, they were contemplating. They were like, you know, my, my grandfather's business was growing over there in Venezuela. It's a fruit company, was a fruit company. And then uh, one day uh, when I was like four and a half years old, um, my mom was driving and then we were at a red light. And this motorcyclist comes out of nowhere and just points a knife at my mom and oh. says, step out of the car. So mm. my mom said, no, absolutely not. I will not. Because both me and my sister were in the back seat mm. and we were little. She, I was four and a half. She was maybe like two years old, if even. Mm. And, you know, my mom took the red light with like tears in her eyes. And mm. she was like, I'm not coming back here. So she, the very next day we, we got on a plane and we came to, to Florida. And basically we... Um, lived with for a bit with my aunt and my cousin and kind of like helped my grandfather with his fruit company and and was working on that till our unfortunately our business visa expired here wow what a what a powerful story it sounds i want to say a little traumatizing for your mom like for her to just be carrying out day-to-day -day activities and then all out of a sudden someone just comes and potentially tries to rob her not realizing that their children in the back. So she had to really do what she had to do to protect her family. Exactly, exactly. And the motorcyclist was very much aware that we were in the back seat. They oh. were not tinted windows from what my mom told me. So it was definitely scary. It was definitely an eye-opening experience that my mom and I still talk about to this day. And she decided, you know, especially if you see the news now, Venezuela is not as safe as it used to be. Mm -hmm. and, and it gets worse, honestly, every year. It does get worse. And I can only imagine, like, if she were to go to the police, because, you know, policing is different here in America than it is in some other countries. Was it as simple as calling 911 um, to say, hey, I almost got robbed? Like, what would that have looked like? So um, nowadays, and definitely even back then when, when this happened about, like, 20, I want to say 22, 23 years ago, um, my my mom says that, yeah, sometimes the cops would show up, but they would show up maybe an hour or two later. Mm. Um, over there is a very, like, nonchalant attitude, like, kind of every man for himself kind mm. of situation. So definitely my mom decided to, the best way to protect us was to take us to a country where safety was priority, where over mm. here the enforcement is respected and there are rules and, and legislation mm. that 
thank God protects everybody who lives in it or or tries to at least their best. Right. And I think that's one thing that we can appreciate living here in America. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation about policing. Um, There's a lot of history, especially being someone who um, is a black woman in America and the history that has happened over the course of what many, many years from my culture. But you come in with a different mindset about how to be protected by like our government, how to be protected by our police. So, man, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like just like what it was like growing up, you know, because you did spend four years of your life in Venezuela. So you got most of your formal education, maybe like daycare. But you tell me, like, what was it like growing up um, here in America as opposed to the little years that you did spend, if you can remember, in Venezuela? So, um I don't remember much from from when I was little, but I know my mom said that you, when we were little, we were spoiled. <laughs> we had a uh, we had a maid and everything, um, and we're, we actually still have close relationships with her. She still works um, with my grandmother from my mm-hmm. mom's side, and um, we were very pampered. Like I, I recall very strongly, um, at least like banana smoothies all the Ooh. time, um, a gigantic house with a big backyard. Um, but definitely coming here was a shock because we were, like I said, pampered over there, basically like little princesses. And then we came to this country, not knowing the language, not knowing what to expect and not really knowing anyone. We we knew no one outside of our aunt and cousin, even though they were pretty busy, they took us in for a while. But then my grandfather, bless his soul, he, um, bought us a house here Mm. and, um, we, you know, we had to kind of make it, we had to formulate our own, um, way of earning money because we couldn't depend on on my grandfather forever so uh once we came here and the business visa expired unfortunately he had to sell his fruit company so my dad started working these little side jobs my Mm -hmm. mom was working at a daycare so it was a lot of hustling and then me and my sister had to learn the language so it was definitely uh, a hard adaptation that we had to do but even as small children my sister and i knew that there was some form of sacrifice that our parents made to give us the opportunity to have a better future right I mean that's a big sacrifice and I go back to that initial you know knee-jerk reaction from your mom you know she just pulls maybe her savings and says okay I gotta get my kids out of this country I have to take them back into America not realizing maybe a job that she may have to just do because you said like you all lived a really lavish life back in Venezuela so go going from living as little princesses and then now your dad's taking like odd jobs she's working at daycares um was that the life that she envisioned for you all so she definitely uh for her it was it was a hard hard Mm -hmm. adjustment um she did not imagine that lifestyle for us at all Mm -hmm. considering you know, when when we came to this country, we thought we our money was worth something. But of mm-hmm. course, if you know anything about the economy, the U.S. dollar is worth way more mm-hmm. than the Venezuelan dollar. In fact, um, a McDonald's meal right now, I believe, is a, the equivalent of like about twenty bucks mm-hmm. here, which is crazy. You know, here you can get <laughs> McDonald's for seven, eight bucks, uh, and and maybe mm-hmm. a, a from the dollar menu, you can get a dollar, two dollars for a burger or something. Um, so definitely it was not something she expected and, and it was rough for all of us because they did not work 
that hard over there like they did here mm. here you know the american culture definitely leans towards working monday through friday mm. maybe monday through sunday most of the time if you want to live a little bit above average right so it, it was it was difficult to say the least and honestly I can I can imagine it was like a cultural shock. Like, you know, everyone has this idea of, yeah, you're living in America. Because the commercials, Instagram, you know, social media just like it blows us up to look like we're living this lavish life here. But then when people get here and have to face the reality, face the music, they're like, I didn't come here thinking I was going to scrub a toilet <laughs> or watch, you know, snotty nose kids. But... It seems like those are just entry level jobs for immigrants who are just trying to make, you know, ends meet and keep a roof over their head. And you're exactly right about that. Like for my parents, it was such a shock because my dad was going to to law school in Venezuela Mm. and he didn't finish law school, but he was starting Mm. it. Um, He was like a semester or two in. And my mother, she, you know, she went through university and, and finished her degree over there. And when she came here, she thought she was going to be able to to work off of that degree to work with, um, you know, kids with disabilities. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. The case was starting from the bottom for both of them, mm-hmm. learning the language as well. And of course, as a child, it's a lot easier to absorb a whole right. other language right. than it is as a full grown adult that's already mature and has, you know, their rules and regulations um, and, and just their culture. So uh, for them, it was not just learning the language, not just building new friendships, not just trying to find their own coping strategies, but it was also like, okay, like let's provide for these two young children, mm-hmm. even though they were children themselves. Like my mom um, and my father got married at 23, my mom was, and 22 was my dad. So they probably came here at about like, I want to say 26 and 27 i think mm. so imagine my age right. <laughs> and right now i uh i will tell you the, the, the truth i cannot imagine having kids right now at my age because there's so much to do there's so much that this country offers that i feel like for them it was it was must have been absolutely terrifying having a, a new marriage and having two kids and right. starting from zero was definitely scary that is super duper scary so just looking at it from your own vantage point, I'm sure that you're able to see this now at your age and say, whoa, like back in the day, I don't know how I would do it. But if, as we, like, if we reminisce for a minute, like what were some of your own challenges? Because you stated like very clearly, very eloquently, some of the challenges that you saw from your parents' um, point of view. But what would you deem some of the challenges for yourself, like growing up here in South Florida? Well, definitely it was, language was one. I know like carrot was like a super hard traumatizing word for me <laughs> as a kid. I was like, I can't pronounce this word. Why? <laughs> and um, Sorry, even mom. though now like I'm, it's funny because my associates and bachelors is in English. So it's really ironic. Um, but as a kid, I, I struggled um, to make friends. Mm. And, and even though I was very social and a happy kid, uh, because I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was definitely a hard adaptation. And even, you know, not having, um, like, a big family and growing up with that little small family we had, which just consisted of my dad, my sister, and me, and sometimes my aunt and cousin. It was was hard. Um, It was kind of lonely. But, you know, the four of us would try to make the best of situations. Like, 
like we would try to make like little dances like during the holidays like thanksgiving or christmas and eventually with with years um we made friends into family right right and and i can imagine those days and those you know holidays were very meaningful to you all um just to come together to know that if we don't have anyone else we have ourselves Yes, exactly. So not having anyone else, it it just, and even now, like we lean towards having um, friendships become family because honestly, Florida is so big, such a big state and Miami is also a big, big city. So um, we gravitated towards the best people. And even now, like I consider a lot of my family friends, like even closer than uh, certain blood relatives because they just, they've been through the hardships. They've seen us grow. They've seen us go from nothing to something to even a, a bigger uh, dynamic. So definitely, um, I'm very, very blessed to be here today, I would say. Yes, and I'm blessed to know you, um, to call you a friend, even fam. Like, you know, just over the short time we've connected it's always been a privilege and honor just to have you like be by my side to go and catch up and get some brunch. Um, that's always cool. That is always fun times. Yes, for sure. Um, I honestly thought that that brunch was like the best thing ever. So, um, and, and learning a little bit about each other and having laughs and just sharing our, our experiences about our, our similar careers. Um, definitely was enlightening for me and, and was like a push in the right direction, you know? That's what's up. I love to hear that. Like, tell me more about, like, just some of the misconceptions that people may have about maybe dreamers that are just trying to transition here. They may have been here for a long time, but what are some misconceptions that people have of dreamers that are living in America? Let me just say that is an excellent question because this is a question that a lot of people I feel like don't realize that they, they encounter themselves and, and they have this misconception that dreamers are here to steal jobs. Mm. That's like the number one misconception. And I'm like, well, dreamers, first of all, can't have a criminal record. They mm. absolutely cannot. For any reason, they can, you know, they absolutely cannot. They are not allowed to. They're not even allowed to be associated with criminals whatsoever mm. because the minute they do, they get deported. Wow. So that's the first thing because a lot mm. of people think dreamers are here, like like you know, doing illegal stuff. They yeah. absolutely cannot do illegal stuff. That that will take away their status right away. Right. And also the stealing of the jobs. We most of us um, either work or have an education. Uh, not all of us. Absolutely all of us. Because with the the visa we have which is the c33 we are supposed to be either working or studying there's no exceptions no buts or ifs or ands about it so um we don't steal jobs we're here to be as competent as possible with the gifts we're already given and the things we already experience professionally so for example myself um i you know, went to school here since kindergarten, and I've had jobs since I was like 17, 18. I've done tutoring, I've worked at restaurants, I've worked um, at, at gyms, I've worked also as, you know, a, a legal assistant and an associate financial representative, and now as a register for, for a college. Right. So my credentials and my bachelor's, my associate's, and now even my master's degree that I'm um, currently studying are what makes me competent, are what makes me Mm. stand out among other candidates. Mm. So definitely that's the biggest misconception there. 
Yeah, because, you know, everyone has their own view of dreamers. Unless you know someone who is actively trying to become like a permanent resident or to get their citizenship, sometimes we can like listen to the news or listen to other stories and not even understand the plight or what people have to walk in. So I appreciate you sharing that, like to not have a criminal criminal record is serious, Um, you know, because you have to walk basically a tight rope um, with the fear of getting sent back home. So just out, just thinking out loud, if someone were to get sent back home like yourself, what would you go back to? Ooh, that's a really terrifying question, but I will answer it because, you know, and the um, the aura of Halloween around the corner and all that stuff, um, very spooky. So I would go back to nothing. I'll be honest mm. with you, Venezuela is, is, is probably in the worst shape it's ever been. Mm. Um, there's no food, there's no water, no electricity. My family goes sometimes days and days, and we have to send them money. So it's, it is definitely a big problem. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to effectively communicate because although Spanish is my native tongue, I uh, do not practice it on a daily basis to the point I'm thinking like how I think in English. I communicate better in English, my thoughts, my feelings. Um, Not to say I'm not fluent, I'm very, very fluent in Spanish, but I would not be myself, if that makes sense, because now my my natural tongue or what feels comfortable and organic for me is English for sure. Mm -hmm. And... um, and it's not just that, but even, like, think about it here. There's a Starbucks, a Publix, a Walgreens, right. a CVS, and every single corner, a Walmart, every few miles. Right. So not being able to have that, being in a country where, you know, unfortunately law enforcement does not enforce laws like they do here, being in a country where the criminal activity is super high, I think Venezuela is in the top 10, if not top five most dangerous countries in the world. Mm-hmm. So... It, it would be not just a culture shock, but I would emotionally be so distressed. I think mm. I would need to definitely work on mental health and um, not to say that I don't right now, but it would be a huge investment and, and safety would be a concern. And definitely I would not feel comfortable raising a family there. Absolutely. Because as you said, your family is here. So going back to Venezuela, you know, I'm not sure if you have like a family home you would even know how to navigate, how to get a job. And maybe people who have jobs, maybe they're just trying to make it. So it'll definitely be like a new world, like you're entering back into America, but just now on the reverse into Venezuela. Right, right. And Venezuela, although it used to be a developed country, thanks to its petroleum, um, it was very rich. It's now very poor. So it would be from going to one of the strongest nations where, you know, thank God we have an army. Thank God we have law enforcement. Thank God we have all these wonderful uh, laws that although there's exceptions that, you know, there are terrible cases, but for the most part, you know, it keeps the country safe. So Venezuela is like the complete opposite where you don't know who's going to be safe. And during strikes, military strikes, then there there is violence among civilians and um, the military. So it's, it's very dangerous overall in general yeah. to live there. I would not wish that upon even my worst enemy if I had mm. any. So, man, you said a mouthful, but I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit more things so that our listeners can like just understand because as you've been hearing I've been hearing you know your story is super powerful 
because you helped us to understand like some of the misconceptions that you know that are out there like man people are taking jobs um you know i can't find a job anywhere and that's always a grown ongoing conversation right but i think the bigger conversation is help us to understand what is daca what it what, what is the dream and promise act like why is that so important for people that come here underage and that is just trying to make a better life for themselves well i'm, I'm glad you asked Lindsay, because i think a lot of people think they know what daca is but don't exactly know what it is so daca is deferred action for childhood arrivals that's where the acronym comes from mm-hmm. so d-a-c-a and um, we also refer to as DREAMers, D-R-E-A-M-E-R-S, the capital D-R-E-A-M, um, and everything else is lowercase. And as DREAMers, you know, we come as little kids, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, and you have to be uh, below 18 years old, so you're definitely a child. You're not, you know, an adult. And um, you come to this country with no status, or if not, on an expired visa, and you apply for deferred action. And then once granted, you get um, the I-365 application, and I believe it's the I-495 application. Don't quote me on this, I could be wrong. <laughs> but you, you, you petition for both applications, so it cross-references the deferred action application along with um, the uh, deferred action for childhood arrivals. So then once approved, you pay a fee, and every two years, you have to renew your your visa because it allows you to work, it allows you to study and be legally present. And this is another misconception. You are legal, L-E-G-A-L, when you apply for a deferred action and get granted mm-hmm. uh, the approval because you are essentially letting um, you know the immigration know where you are at all times. Right. And the first few years, your case does go to court and you have to present your case in court and present yourself in front of a judge and explain your case because you can't just be here for free. You can't just be here without knowing, um, letting them know where you are at all times. And Mm. and it's a whole legal process as well. So you do that and then every two years, like I said, you renew. And then our hopes is because a lot of people are in limbo. We're like 800,000 dreamers. And um, I've known a few in my lifetime um, and they're very, very hardworking people. They're people who aspire to pursue for their education right Right. because another misconception is a that we don't pay taxes and b we're just Mm. here living off the government which is not true we are actually not allowed to touch any government money and we actually do contribute to taxes hold up hold up one second because you say something real key and i know you're a student so does that mean that do you can you apply for like student aid or like loans for school Ooh, very very good question because this is actually part of the reason or one of the stressors in my life uh, to be completely honest with you as a dreamer there are two main scholarships that are known to dreamers but this for undergraduate education only Mm. which is um the dream.us and i believe the other one is the national scholarship if i'm not Mm. mistaken but those only apply to undergraduate education besides that it is extremely extremely and i'm going to emphasize on extremely (laughs) uh hard for for dreamers to get um any kind of scholarships or any Mm. kind of grants because most of them um 
or have the restriction that you have to have to be a resident or citizen, unfortunately. Yeah. And even though you live here, I know, even though you could live here like me, like 22, 23 years in the country, it still doesn't count. And for financial aid, we could all still fill out a FAFSA form. However, we are not given any federal funds whatsoever. So we have no to way. ask the school for scholarships, either private or grants, but they have to be, again, privately funded by the school itself, mm-hmm. not from the government. So that's like the another catch there. So for myself, personally speaking, right. um, my my bachelor's and my master's was mainly funded out of pocket. So um, that was uh, very tough. And f- as far as loans go, right. because there's the, rec- the the fear, right, that you will mm-hmm. run out on a bank and, you know, go back and get deported to your country, you can only take out a loan if you have a citizen co-signer. Mari, like that right there, like, and those, like that right there is hard to digest because, and I'll be upfront and honest with you, I'm an American, so there are, like, privileges that I walk in as fellow, like, peers that, you know, I didn't realize that you have to, like, stress as hard to pay for school, like, you know, to make sure that you can pay your bill at the end of each semester to make sure you can have, like, a quality education and to live out your dream to become, like, I believe you're going to be a a phenomenal therapist. I'm going to just throw that out there. You're going to be a phenomenal (laughs) therapist. (laughs) But just the road to become a therapist, it sounds like it's super stressful. It is, and it really is. And it's funny because, right, I'm I'm entering a field about mental health, and that's why I said it's it's not a humiliating thing to admit we all need, you know, mental health from time to time because – the everyday stress of life, including this, including the financial stressors, which is a, a thing I feel like after COVID, we all face. Right. This career, it's been a blessing because it opens your minds to just taking care of yourself, right. putting self, you know, self-care first and, and loving yourself and, and working on the things that matter to you, right? So thankfully, like my stressors as a dreamer and my career as a future therapist have definitely been complimentary to each other because I'm able to in the future help others like me I love that I love that mindset that you have you are going through some kind of stresses you know just because of you know the situation it's not permanent it's temporary but at the same time you say okay I'm gonna still rely upon different coping mechanisms to help me navigate this but then you're thinking ahead you want to help other dreamers to make sure that, you know, you can provide like resources um, for them as they navigate. So how is the coronavirus impacted like just people who are dreamers? Well, um, so I'm part of a, an immigration group called United We Dream. I'm, you know, an active volunteer. Um so we used to meet uh, pretty often, I would say, within a month. And then after COVID hit, we kind of just started doing more virtual events, more virtual orientations and things like that. So I feel like that kind of mm-hmm. um, slowed down a bit, like the active uh, volunteers that we had, because before we were a ton. And right. so that has restricted us a bit. And even um, our leader, Maria, um, she's the one that guides all our, our groups. Right. 
events. Um, she has faced some hardships herself. Right. Um, so a lot of us face financial hardships. We lost a lot of loved ones as well. So wow. that definitely impacted the strength in numbers and, right. and now the advocacy we have for, for the Promise Act to pass. Right, right. And I'm sorry to hear that, you know, there is strength in numbers. I'm a huge proponent and advocate for having communities that are fighting for these causes that make differences in our societies. So, you know, this is my last question for us today. Like, how can someone who's out there listening, who's been inspired by your story, um, who has gained some motivation from hearing you out today, how can we advocate for dreamers? How can we be change agents to make sure that you live your American dream? Well, I think that's a, a very beautiful thing. Like, that's actually my goal of why I, you know, um, said yes to doing this podcast because I wanted people to feel like they're at home, that they're not alone because there is always someone out there who's going through difficulties with you. So if you feel like you're in the same situation or even let's say you're not, let's say you're an ally to immigrants and you're just like, you know, you may have a friend or family or a coworker who's, who's a dreamer, or even political asylum or et cetera, et cetera, whatever status you are under, you can go to unitedwedream.org and definitely sign up to be a volunteer with us there. Mm-hmm. We would love to have you. Um, you know, you can also reach out to me and, and, and uh, Lindsay can share with you my contact information and we can, you know, work something together out so we can, you know, participate in events and spread the word, you know, that we, we just want to be equal, just like everybody else in this country. And, and that's really, truly the American dream, right? Is to, to be able to grow, have a family, to have a future, to, to stay alive, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And, and be like everyone else. Um, and that's essentially what we are, right? We're, we're given this label of DACA. We're giving a label as dreamers, but we're essentially people who walk among you, who work alongside you, who are here to help the economy grow. Um, so yeah, like if, if you can go to unitedwedream.org, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, you know, follow us there. And again, feel free to ask Lindsay for my contact information. I'd be more happy to help you in your situation. Uh, I appreciate that. You all heard it. UnitedWeDream.org is a way to tap into. Um, You can send some donations that way. You can read about what they do and some of the positive things that they're doing within our communities to help make a difference and help people to live their dream. And when I say that I'm privileged, um, you know, as an American, we do walk in our privileges, but as, you know, just a minority as well. Um, there are some hurdles that we have to overcome within my own personal, um, you know, cultural group. So I share this with you. My heart breaks when I hear that my friend has to go above and beyond um, to just, you know, keep a roof over her head or just to stay in classes and hustle a little harder than the next person to get the same education. Um, so I'm going to do my part, Madi. I'm going to do my part to really respond to the call to really like take on some of these causes and be active and to be an ally with the dreamers perfect and that's more than enough like a lot of people don't know how like much of a difference it makes just to spread the word because a lot of people think oh do i have to actively go to events but i'm busy but my schedule and i'm like i completely understand but there's so much we can do like i get notifications all the time if not every other day of United We Dream, they text us and they let us know the whereabouts. Like, for example, when the American Dream Promise Act of 2021 was introduced, we were all, you know, making a big fuss about it because we wanted it to come to fruition. 
So um, they keep us posted, even like in little text messages, like, oh, this is what's happening. We're going to D.C. for a week to, to spread the word for citizenship, for the dreamers and, and for immigrant and allies alike, you know. Mm. So the allies are a big, big part of what we do and how we're able to accomplish um, all the changes in our lives because they, you know, essentially speak for those who can't be spoken for, mm. right? You know, right. especially because we're not allowed to vote. So they make the difference, all the difference. So anything, any help at all would be greatly appreciate it for sure for sure and you know like we're gonna support you every any way that we can Madi, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to just chop it up with me give me a little bit more insight about your path to wellness and you know how you're overcoming sometimes these hurdles that you are confronted with daily you are definitely like you are my hero like and i'm not just saying that (laughs) because like yeah man like I am inspired that like I thought I was out here hustling I mean I met my match when I met you (laughs) well you know what I think that is part of the American dream as well being all hustlers I feel like we're all all every single human being on this planet and in this country as well is they're all hustlers like it's insane because you get used to doing multiple jobs and doing education and having kids and you're just like I feel like we're all jugglers right juggling like six seven different uh, like things at at once it's crazy but definitely it's it's the American way (laughs) it is the American way and that what makes it the American dream that you know once you get here on this soil I've talked to many people life changes you know it changes drastically and the biggest thing I'm a I am a daughter of you know immigrants you know my family has come here as well so like I said, anything that I can do, I do my best to give back so that someone else can have it easier. You know, they don't have to hustle as hard, but they can have an easier plight as they maneuver through um, sometimes the rigmarole of, you know, our country. Um, so thank you so much. Mari, I of wanted course, to... Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me here. and Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to hop on to our lightning round. I told you, like, this was a fun segment that I wanted to just incorporate within the podcast just to kind of keep it fresh, to keep it funky. Um, And I'm going to ask you five questions and, you know, you can answer it from your heart. Um, But it's supposed to, like, just help us to get to know you a little bit more and just allow us to have a little bit fun after talking about a heavy, a heavy topic. Um, I want you to tell me right now, give me your top five restaurants, um, like your go-to restaurants here in South Florida. Oh my goodness, this this is by far, no no disrespect to some of my people, but the most hardest, most difficult question I've been asked on the interview, because there's so many. Um, I know. Okay, top five. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so I'm kind of a healthy, buffy person right now. A health buff, if you will. So right now, I would say Carrot Express. Okay. uh, Rice Mediterranean Kitchen. Yes. Uh, That's another one. Um, Diced. I like Diced a lot. Diced is good. Now, uh, the next two, I will say, will be my unhealthy choices. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of steak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love steak. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So maybe (laughs) Brimstone. Um... If you guys haven't tried the ones in Aventura, like the one in Aventura, excuse me, or the restaurants in Aventura in general, they're amazing. Right. So Brimstone, um, and then there's this place by FIU for you FIU students uh, like myself, uh, alumni. 
It's called Rock Burger. Mm. I'm sorry, not Rock Burger, excuse me. 109 Burger. Even though Rock Burger is good too in Sunset, but she said top five, not top six. <laughs> so 109 Burger, it's by FIU. For FIU students, you'll see it. It's like literally you go to 109 Tower, you go downstairs, it'll be right there. It's phenomenal. Um, it's a little spot. And, and for you friends, fans, like fans of the show, friends, uh, they have like a little wall that is like designed just like friends. It's really cute. Sweet. I'll definitely check out some. I've checked out like Diced and some of the others that you share. But, you know, we got to add that on our list of brunch spots and just like Greedo spots to go to and check out and just yes. pick out on. Um, tell Ooh, me. And if I could add a number six, Tap 42. Yes, <laughs> Tap 42. That's like a hidden gem. Brunch is amazing. Yes. And dinner too, trust me, that I had my birthday there. Phenomenal. Yes, I love it. So tell me, what are four songs that are on your playlist right now? Oh, oh my gosh. What are these? <laughs> these? These are not lightning rounds. These are difficult questions. Get out of here. <laughs> so, okay, top uh, top four you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, right now I'm listening to Tublo a lot. Um uh, I will I will be honest with you, kind of like a, a Miami person here, so a little bit of Bad Bunny as well, but you said of top course. four songs, so <laughs> let's see. Um, okay, so I do have a favorite playlist, and so not going to lie, I have to search through it right now to <laughs> name the four top songs. Um, all right, all right. So for you 80s fans, there's this very modern band called um, The Midnight. They have a song called Days of Thunder, mm-hmm. so that's one song. Okay. Um, for you Miami and lovers, uh, there's a song in Spanish called Otra Noche in Miami by Bad Bunny. Yes, I love it. And, uh, yes, that one's awesome. Uh, then three, I would say, oof, this one's hard because I really do like EDM a lot. Uh Um, let's see. Ooh, actually, no, scratch that. Before I go to EDM, Arizona, Mm. right? It's spelled just like the, the state. Um, there's a song called um, Trouble, which is really, really good. Uh, I think we can all relate to, to Trouble or even um, Still Alive by the same yeah. band. It's right. obviously incredible. It's a band that, and it's spelled A space R and then space I and then, you know, the rest. Appreciate so that. It's, it's a really good artist. I highly recommend. Cool, cool. So then tell me three words that best describe Madi. Ooh, okay. Toughest question. <laughs> Get out of here. So, <laughs> I would say the top three. Uh, ambitious, honest, mm. loyal. Yes, I love it. What about two things that you're grateful for? I am grateful for uh, my family. Mm. Um, and that includes all my friends as well because, again, my friends here are my family. Um, and of course, my blood-related ones as well. And um, I would say my my health because, mm. uh, and of course, God. Actually, no, God first. Let me yeah. rephrase that. God first. Right. Family second, and third, my health because without right. health, you know, um, I think everything else kind of falls apart. So I'm I'm really blessed to have all those three things. Yes, I love it. I love it. And last thing, one thing you're hoping for. Ooh, one thing I'm hoping for. Okay, definitely it's related to this podcast. Right. I'm hoping this podcast reaches the ears of many and that they're influenced to make a change. And if they can't 
be part of the influence to make a change, spread the word. Because yes. either way, change happens not with a million people, but one person. One person is all it takes to make a difference. So I'm hoping this reaches the ears so we can get this ball rolling, so we can get all these people who are in this country and, and basically limbo status to right. to become citizens and that we, we unite. And, and I'm not just fighting for dreamers. I'm not just fighting for immigrants. I'm fighting for all of us yeah. because... I would essentially want all of us to feel safe, all of us to feel equal, you know? So uh, that's definitely a battle I will take on any day. Oh, thank you so much, Madi. I love you so much. You're so amazing. And I love you too. Yeah, for those kind words. I really hope that this podcast does reach many people. And like you said, we're stronger together. We're not just fighting right. for one type of person or one group exactly. or culture, but everyone to have a fighting chance to live their best life um, in, in the fullest. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. This was a blast. We got to do it I'm again. Definitely best. Definitely <laughs> do it more often. <laughs> yes. And I got to have you on because you bring such a fresh perspective, your authenticity, um, just your, just being vulnerable to share, like just some of the things that are really true to you that many people sometimes don't get to hear. So I hope that our community is blessed by this and I look forward to um, many more. Um, anything else you want to share before we sign off? Um, no, guys, just honestly that you guys have a phenomenal day or week, you know, whenever you're hearing this. And uh, I hope, you know, you know that I'm available to you. I'm a resource to you. So thank you so much again for having me, Lindsay. Oh, absolutely. Until next time. Ciao. guys thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the a dosage of Lindsay podcast home to conversations of the soul i hope you enjoyed our time together drop your comments and feedback in the comment box below or send me an email to share your thoughts and your honest reactions remember rate subscribe and share this podcast and make sure you follow me on social media twitter and Instagram at a dosage of Lindsay. If you want to email me, it's a dosage of Lindsay at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Ciao.